Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot him in the head. All right, welcome to another episode of Shoot Me Straight with Eddie and Dave. Uh, today, we are honored to have Ryan Blackwell in the studio. Um, I met Ryan uh, a couple weeks ago at uh, my son's wrestling meet in Pensacola, and uh, the <clears throat> wrestling meet was actually named after Ryan Blackwell, and I had no idea of his story. Um, just to give you guys a quick background, um, Ryan enlisted in the Navy July 2017, spent two years in the Navy until he was medically retired in 2020 due to training-related injuries. Um, while he was in the Navy, he earned the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal for Heroism and a Purple Heart. In December 6, 2019, Ryan sustained six gunshot wounds during the terrorist attack aboard Naval Air Station Pensacola, which claimed the lives of three individuals and wounded eight others. Ryan, honestly, it is an honor to have you in this uh, in this studio and to be able to tell your story. Um, I, I think people are going to get a lot out of it. Uh, so we'll start from the beginning here. Um, just uh, tell us about your childhood, where you were born, um, and we'll go from there. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. Um, I'm from born in Virginia, military family. So uh, Chesapeake, Virginia was home for me for maybe six months. My dad did a lot of training and all that. He um, had us moving around. I ended up growing up in North Carolina, though, eastern North Carolina. So a lot of moving around until the age of five. Then in 1998, we arrived in North Carolina. And that's where I grow up at, go through the school systems there. Um, came from the military family so a lot of order and discipline in the household a lot of um a lot of structure and um just like but we still had fun we we're kids we still had fun and then um you know my dad deployed a lot came home deployed a lot came home so I always had that kind of um growing up and I ended up uh wrestling we started getting into wrestling and I won two state titles in high school and then I uh got a scholars college scholarship to wrestle at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke which is like right below Fort Bragg North Carolina South Carolina state line wrestled there for five years and um graduated with my bachelor's degree in exercise physiology and that's kind of like led me up to like um like in my 20s now what I'm gonna do with my life you know um, yeah what did, uh, what did your dad do in the Navy? So my dad, he was a FMF corpsman, so he, he retired as a chief, did 22 years of service. He um, was always greenside, so we were around the Marines my whole life. So I was pretty much raised by the Marine Corps, like when we'd go nice. to the hunting camp or we'd do anything. It's always Marines. And even with my with my story, you'll see how the Marines have always had my back since I was little. I mean, to present day through that situation, too. I was presented in December. But, um yeah, my dad, he he was a great influence on me, you know, like made sure he's he's telling me around you're one of them guys that's always gonna have something going on to keep you keep you out of trouble. You know, like <laughs> I can't I can't have I can't just be wandering around. Like I gotta I always gotta have something going on to keep me keep me out of trouble. And that was something going on with wrestling. So like once I started wrestling, I was like that was it. I mean, he, he helped train me up and that's what helped me get the success. And even like I played other sports, you know, and I think I I credit that to like my mindset of building a competitive mind at an early age, you kind of mm -hmm. start getting this callous mindset where you like to compete, you like to win, you like to like not fail. But if you do fail, you learn how to overcome it, and it starts teaching the adversity side of the things. And that's kind of where really the foundation of who Ryan Blackwell was was like built around sports in the military, you know. But it was like my dad as my role model, and then coaches and all that as I kind of grew through the ranks of wrestling and wrestling in college and and all that. So, 
Nice. And so you ended up in, you said Pembroke? Yes, UNC Pembroke, a Division II school in North Carolina. So I wrestled there for five years. I ended up, um, I didn't do anything really on the athletic side of the house. I had a training partner that ended up being a two-time national champ. But it was like I always showed up every day giving my hardest. I wanted to be the hardest worker in the room. So one thing I could control was my attitude and my effort. So when I showed up, I was like, I'm just going to outwork everybody. You know, if the results don't speak for themselves, then it just is what it is. I'm going to work hard. And I did that for five years. And, like, some of the best advice, I guess, what made me, like, stay, like, headstrong on wrestling all through college, because the first year was rough, was, like, if you go through five years of this, it'll make a man out of you. And that's something that just always rang in my head. I was like, all right, I go through five years of this, it's going to make a man out of me. And then it's going to push me to my limits and, you know, make a better version of who Ryan Blackwell is. And it's just going to kind of keep building this. And I was always, like, I wanted to be mentally tough. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to be mentally tough. How do you get mentally tough? You got to do things you don't want to do. Yep. And that was uh, one of the things called wrestling is like, I, I love training. I love competing. I loved all that. But there's a lot of times you don't want to do stuff. I mean, I could barely walk up and down stairs. My legs are so tired, you know, but it's like, Hey, I still got three pounds to get off. Or I still got this workout to do. Right. So yep. it kind of kept building that mindset for me. And, um, yeah, so I'm really thankful for that life experience in general. Regardless of, like, the accolades on the athletic side, I did do – I was a two-time academic All-American, so it just means I kept my GPA up and had a good win-loss record and um, was a good good asset to the program, you wow. know. And, um, yeah, so that, that had really kind of shaped me as far as, like, the young man I was. I went in there as a young boy, left as a young man, but I still had more, you know what I mean, to learn. I feel like I had more to give, right, wow. and that's kind of what – led me to um led me to the navy you know there was like a gap between me graduating with my degree and then like when i joined the navy because i joined the navy a little bit later i was 25 and i joined up and um you know i went graduated moved to myrtle beach and i'm like all right i'm just gonna um get a gig with my degree like exercise physiology so i'm working at a resort and i was doing uh like the programs is like acti- activities programs so when they come in you guys book a week vacation you don't want something to do I gotcha, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I gotcha. So it was a glorified, like, big old adult party kind of gig, you know what I mean? But it was kind of cool, and I still got to do some, like, um, I did, like, water aerobics with, like, all the old people in the pools. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I was getting paid, so it was cool. And then I was like, you know what? kind of done with this it was like it went to like my six month like review and I got like a 20 cent raise and I was like all right corporate America is just not for me I was like this has like a glass ceiling that's like impenetrable you yeah. know uh so then I call my mom and I'm just complaining and she's like uh what about the navy you know what I mean you talk about the navy this and that and, you know your dad and I'm like well if, I, if I'm joining the navy like I'm joining I'm, I'm doing this for real you know like I just know like I feel like I was a high-level athlete. You don't really, after college, I mean, you got some international wrestling, but there's not really, like, professional wrestling. You know what I mean? So, like, most of your collegiate wrestlers are, like, at the top of their game. And then you got those that go international or whatnot that really level it up. But for the most part, I feel like, all right, I'm a pretty elite athlete. I'm in good shape. I'm going to go looking up the Navy and they have this thing called the Warrior Challenge Program. I'm like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast track this guy. I was like, because I'm not going to go OCS. I was like, I just want to need, need some monies. You know, I, I feel like I, I have a purpose to do more. I want to find a better, you know, side of myself. Then you start thinking, like, your why. You know what I mean? Like, why am I doing this? And then, then like, you come up with some BS reason why you're doing something, but that always changes. You know, sometimes you have some concrete. I have a concrete thing now, but at the time that was not concrete. You know what I mean? It wasn't concrete enough for me. So yeah. it was like – but a sense of purpose and giving back is, like, kind of what, like, compelled me. So I was like, all right, um, I'm going to do this Warrior Challenge program. I go in the Navy. They tell me, like, all these, like, swim run, everything, right, all the PST stuff you do. And I'm like, all right, 
I went to the Y. I swam down and back, and I was gassed. I was like, oh, <laughs> man. I was like, I got to start swimming. You know what I mean? I got to get better in the water. How do I get better in the water? I was like, um, I was like, I'm talking to these recruiters, and they like they hooked me up with one of my buddies, Tyler, who's still in the Navy now, and he's like, uh, he's training too. And I was like, all right, well, I need to learn this swim stroke. I was like, can you tell him to like meet me at the Y so I can learn this swim stroke? I was like, I need to get better in the water. I was like, this ain't working. And uh, so he does, and he's like, hey, man, I got a gig for you. If you want to get good on the water, you can come be an ocean lifeguard with me. He's like, we pay about 600 bucks a week. And uh, he's like, and I was like, all right. So I went up to work, put in a two-week notice, and I was like, all right, I'm going to be an ocean lifeguard. You know, I'm going to learn how to, I'm going to learn some first aid. I'm going to learn how to, like, swim in the open water. I'm going to learn all this stuff. And um, it still doesn't change your mind in the water, though. You might be a little bit more efficient, but you still got a, a you know, arousal control when you're dealing with this stuff. So um, I ended up getting, like, whatever I needed my scores, right? I got, like, the NSW contract where it's the, with the Warrior Challenge program. You get one fair shot, you know, to go out there and see if you're built to be a warfighter, right? And that's um, what I had my mindset on. I graduated boot camp, went through the prep cycle, went out to Coronado, California, and I award from the pipeline i what, dropped um, so so did you choose the navy uh was that because your dad was in the navy did it have a big influence on it, you? it did and it had a skewed influence too because he was part of the marines yep. navy you know what i mean so he was so, basically a marine yeah. like you know i'm not saying he he was a marine but i i have a similar experience where i was the a corpsman yeah fmf corpsman for five years my first uh my first five years in the military and what I learned, yeah, is like, yeah, you're in the Navy, but when, once you're with the Marines, you're pretty much one of them. Yeah. And um, that's, um, I, I always tell people that too. I had like a skewed look on the Navy because you, haze gray and underway is a thing with the Navy. You know, that means you're in a boat and you're at the needs of them and you kind of do, do what they want. But like with the Marines, my dad was never on a ship. Wait, he, wait, wait. How, how, help me understand that. All I, right, so, like, my dad. Hayes Gray? Hay, Hayes Gray and underway. It's a saying they say, like, when you get stuck, like, you're on a you're on a yep. ship, and you're just, you're going to be setting sail, and that's just what you do. And if you're, like, me, a low guy on the totem pole, you're going to be at whatever the Navy wants you to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, or even um, the Navy in general, because they deal with boats, you know, mm -hmm. or the planes, too, but really, like, ships. So my dad was never on a ship, though because he was always with the Marines, so he was always in the desert, always had the desert camis. I mean, he never really – I mean, they wore the dungarees every now and again, you know, when they had to. Yeah. But for the most part, it said U.S. Navy, but it was like Marine Corps, um, mm. digis and all that, camis. And uh, uh, so, yeah. So the joining, warrior, warrior Challenge, you said, is a way to fast track? Uh, and not, not necessarily. So I guess, like, back in the day when you'd want to go through a special program, you had to have a rate, and then you could put yeah. in to go through the program, where now you can go in with a contract saying that you can report to this program. However, if you don't complete it, there's no rate to fall back on. You go through the needs of the Navy. Which so is a huge risk that you're taking. Uh, so if you, you join the Navy and you want to go to BUDS, uh, so when I joined back in 99, if you – you had to have a rate, so I had to go to core school first. Mm -hmm. So that was my rate. I was a corpsman. So therefore, you have a job, and that's how you could get to go to BUDS. All right? You couldn't just go undesignated. Uh, they switched that, and I don't know what what year um, when they switched that, but it was basically to make it – they were trying to grow the numbers in the teams um, and trying to get more, more guys to come and pass through, so they pretty much made this – 
the what's it called the warrior, the warrior challenge it's warrior like challenge. for all all the special programs that the navy has to offer and there's different like thresholds that you have to meet like the bare minimum to be able to um you know get get the get the billet to, yep. to go out there so and basically your goal was to go two buds it, my goal was, yeah, I want. I wanted to go. Um, I wanted to pretty much do what my dad was doing. You know what I mean? But I want to do it on on steroids. I want to do it on the big boy level, where like you're, you're, you're going out there and you, you know, you're doing, you're riding boats, you're, you're swimming in, or you're doing, doing whatever, you know. But um, at some point, you know, during my training, my Y didn't have a foundation to hold enough weight to propel me through that. Is what I'm saying, and my and my own reason. If you want, it, there's not really an excuse to be made. I just didn't. It didn't happen for me, you know. Uh-huh. But like, it's almost like it, it had to go like that for this next part to happen because like I was needed elsewhere. So if you look at like divine intervention or like you know God's plan, like we we force things that we want to have happen, and sometimes they're not supposed to happen. Yep. So no matter how hard you push for it, it ain't gonna happen, you yeah. know. And um, I'm one of them people. I don't like to waste time. So like if it's like uh, or waste anybody else's time too, you know what I mean. So if my my mind's made up, I'm, I've always said I never half step. I'm either all the way in or I'm all the way out. So yeah. like you're not gonna find me like in between on anything, and that's that. for good and for bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that was uh, it, it was okay though. You know what I mean? It, it is what it is. Like I um, I'm going through this sheet of like what the rates I can pick are. You know, and it's like. I many good options, and then I saw like Pensacola, Florida, and I'm like calling my dad. I'm like, yo, like he's like, you know, they got this, this, and it was Air Crew, and then it was like Rescue Swimmer or whatever. Yeah. So I was able to like get down here for that for Pensacola, Florida. But um, I was like banged up, like, but I like wrestling in college. I was never 100 percent wrestling in high school. I was never 100 percent. I was always like 75. Like I I won a state title my senior year with a broken wrist. I broke oh. my wrist and um was able to get through it and all that. So it was like kind of like okay this is normal to feel uncomfortable a little bit you know you go to the gym you work hard it's like when I came to Pensacola I'm like doing their PT stuff and then they had me go through a flight physical and I couldn't pass the flight physical because I couldn't move my hand because it was like all swollen and um I guess wear and tear over like the first six months of my naval experience with a lot of the PT that I was doing and whatnot it um my skateboard bone had just like just like splintered in my hand and it went like into my thumb it was, it was like kind of weird so they had to do like a fusion on my wrist so it, it pretty much like now they just dropped me from another program so I'm like I'm like done at this point you know I'm either going undesed or, or something because I I was in California for a program then I came to Florida for a program but I could never start it because I couldn't pass the flight physical and then they did a wrist fusion on me which um, made made it a disqualifying factor because of my, my hand was fused. And so I went through, a, uh, got on like this limb do limited duty disqualifying factor for, uh, I'm going to say an aviation side of the house because okay. they, they put me on, um, like airmen, they changed, I was like a seaman black while they changed me over to airmen. Right. Okay. And then I'm just going to say being where I was at and that I had already kind of had two uncompleted pipelines in a sense. Right. Is that, um, I was unfit for the Navy cause I had a wrist fusion and, um, they started the med board process and then, so I'm, I'm, I go on convalescent leave for two months to get my, you know, go through all the risk stuff and everything. When I come back in, they stashed me, which means they place you in a position because I have no rate. I'm unrated. I'm 26 at this time or whatever. I'm, I'm in e- E3. You know, I mean, I got that out of boot camp because I had a college degree. So, yeah. like, I, I, like <laughs> I have I had the Z3 my whole life. And uh, so they, they placed me in it. It's called the International Military Training Office. So then that's where I end up uh 
being like placed at and I interacted with all the NATO uh, flight students, rescue swimmer students, and um, even people that weren't part of NATO, uh, Saudis and other countries that we that we had come through our what pipeline. Was, what was your specific task at that time, like being the liaison? Um, so the structure of the office was that there was um, like a GS position in there, mm-hmm. and then there was a enlist or a my bad, I enlisted like an officer, like a personnel in there, which was a, a Marine Corps captain is who who was in my office. And then it was just like people that were either not um, sat for anthro for like the flight stuff, you know what I mean? Or like BMI stuff. or So it's people that weren't actively going through class or through a pipeline, you just get stashed. So it was a revolving door of the office. So all I did was like when, the, when any foreign – student would come in I'd like have to scan their passport make copies do a lot of admin work and then it's like take him to go get his cell phone go pick him up at the airport you know like pretty much you're just like driving them around like a babysitter exactly and that was like what I did um I I, I did that like the whole time and I like most of the time I just sat there like I really just sat there because I wasn't allowed to leave so it was just yeah. like all right I'm just gonna just sit here all day and um that was um that was like it was cool in a sense too. Like I was like, oh, I got a chill job, and I'm like, I'm talking with all these internationals. I'm gonna just learn a little bit about their culture, and I'm I'm a pretty like charismatic kind of person, so I can appeal to some people and like just getting to know like they're well. What do you do at your house? You know what I mean? Like, what's your culture like over there? Just trying to make these dudes feel at home. But I also knew like that environment that I was in in that office. Like I did not like working there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't like fun. Like I joined the Navy for a reason. And now like you guys treat me like I'm 18. You know what I mean? I'm 20. So like it was like, I'm not, not, I don't ever talk about myself, but it's like when you think like, I mean, I got a bachelor's degree. I wrestled in college for five years. I did all this. Like most of these officers that are in here are 21. They're right out the shoot, you know, like Mm -hmm. they don't really have any life experiences other than a little bit of OCS, but, um, or, or whatever they went through. So it was kind of weird because, that building I was in was all officers and I'm enlisted. Right. And I'm an unrated enlisted guy. So I'm like really at the bottom, bottom of, the, of the barrel. Oh, yeah. I'm, they, it was like the analogy was like, I'm a mushroom, right? You're in the dark and then you're getting shitted on. Like that's pretty yeah. much like how, how it went, <clears throat> you know, but, um, I think that's, uh, you know, for the listeners out there, when we talked about the risk mm-hmm. of going to buds undesignated, I mean, that's, this is what happens if you, you know, either quit or you get hurt. Um, you know, and you're just, you can't make it through buds, you pretty much get sent to the needs of the Navy. Um, and I can't imagine like the frustration level, especially hearing you talk about it. You know, you've, you have already accomplished so much by the time you were 26. And then now you're sitting in an office (laughs) with a bunch of officers. I mean, that had to be, um, really hard, you know, mentally. Yeah. And I think it's like, when we talk about life, right? Like, and like I said, I, I wanted to like, I was always like the one to be mentally tough. Right. So this was a thing that like, I learned patience because like Navy, it's a hurry up and wait process anyways. And, uh, I learned a lot of patience, which pays dividends for me now when I do coaching these little kids and stuff. Right. When we get into that, but, um, what, what I, I love about you saying what you said earlier, you were like, Hey, one of the things I, what I could control was attitude and effort. Yeah. And, like you're sitting in there, right? It's the exact opposite of what you want to do. It's almost like it, it's like me if I had to work in a cubicle, I would do it if I had to, right? But yeah. like, man, I would feel like a caged animal in a sense. And it's like you sat there and you went, you know what? I'm gonna make the best of it. I'm gonna learn their culture. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, it passed time, too, because, like, I I knew how to do everything. So I was like, all right, I knock all this stuff out, done deal. Well, ain't no more work to do. Oh, still got to sit, you know. Um, so it was just kind of like, uh, that's how I like to just, like, you know, get it done where you're – you're working in like it's uh it's just like it's a it's a training command too, right? So it's not like anything that's forward operating, anything that's deploying anytime soon. Like these guys are, it's pretty much like boot camp for officers once they get out, right? Because they're yeah. going through their schoolhouse is what it is. They're learning like that. Where I was at is the first step to flying, right? You mm-hmm. go through all of the academic portion, which is designed to weed oh, all yeah. these guys out, right? And then the, if you fail X amount of tests, you're done or or whatever, right? So it's kind of just like a whole nother program that's designed to weed out those that think they want to be there and those that actually want to be there, you know? And, um, and this led up to December 6th. Yeah. So that, that's how I got into that building where all this stuff happened. And then that's kind of how I got to be around the Saudis. Right. When you think like how, how does an unrated airman get stuck in an officer building at a flight school? You know what I mean? Working with international students. Like I don't have any, I didn't, you know, my, my uniform was pretty bare. I got an honor recruit and I got the, you know, the national you yeah. know, defense ribbon. Like I got, like that was what I was sporting. I didn't, you know, it has three green stripes on my sleeve. Salad. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was, it wasn't, wasn't too much to look at, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that was, uh, that's pretty much, I guess the forefront of, I guess how I was there. Right. And yep. even with this guy, like he, when he checked in, that ended up being the shooter. Um, I remember him, you know what I mean, like coming because they mustered with us. And Friday was a thing where every Friday they'd come in, they'd muster, which means they'd, they'd meet and they would uh, we'd take like attendance, do like a tally. And they they had a, a window to come in, whether it was from you know, like 0600 to 0700 or 07 to 08 or something like that. Right. It was their window of opportunity to come in. You check in. All right. Haircut, shave Monday, you know, because they, they were always unsat. Like, you know what I mean? Unsatisfactory. Yeah, were they, were the Saudis or any other international students or whatever they were treated the same as like the Americans that were coming in, like as far as disciplinary or um, just the standards, like showing up on time? Yeah, in the right uniform. uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we had guys walking around the command that had slides on, you know what I mean? And Saudis that had like this slippers that you pipe it on, like when you do jujitsu and you get off the mat, right? You like Mm -hmm. put your slides on, like in their uniform with slides on, you know, uh, or they'd have like a, like them Hanes zip up jackets, right? He'd have one of them on, you know, over their uniforms that like you'd see these guys doing like pretty much. Th- now this is inter- Saudis, right? This is, I'm talking about the Saudis, right? Cause yeah. there, there's a lot of them over there. But, um, as far as like the other countries, like most of them are pretty, pretty squared away, you know, yeah. as far as like the NATOs or like we had some, some Jamaicans that came for rescue swimmer or like some, some guys from Malta, like all those dudes were squared away. Um, you know, within reason, you know what I mean? Because when they got there, they went to their pipeline. But the Saudis were always a thing where they have, like, a program before the program. So then they come in, they go through, like, whatever. I don't know the ins and outs because that wasn't really, like, my job role. But I know, like, a lot of them, um, like, you'd fail a test, right, or something, or cheating. And then, like, some of them would get a second try or a third try. And then or others would get That's sent. because, so, from my experience, obviously, I uh, when I was an instructor, at Bud's for a while, we'd have some Saudi students come through. Um, I actually, I think I had a Saudi student in in my Bud's class or the Bud's class after me. And so what I found out when I was an instructor is the, you know, these other countries pay a lot of money to send, you know, these individuals here to these specialty schools. Um, mm. So 
the way it was explained to me is the Saudis would, they give them a list of schools like, hey, pick which one you want to go to. Um, and in this, this instance, this one Saudi, he wanted to, he wanted to leave buds. He did not want anything to do with it. So I asked him, I was like, why, why did you come here? You know, mm-hmm. if you don't, you don't want to be here. And he's like, I had no idea what this was. He's like, I picked this school because there is a Saudi community in La Jolla and I would be near family. He's like, but I had no clue what it was until I showed up. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, he's doing log PT, getting wet and getting, getting yeah. the shit kicked out of him. Um, and they really have no other option but to pass. Mm. So I can tell you like the foreign national students that come through buds, or I, I imagine it's in any other uh, military school. They're pretty much pushed through mm. um, just to, because, because of money, the, because the money was paid. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Sorry, went off on a tangent. No, no, no. Yeah. That's like no, he's funny, but that's why he's the chief. That's a ticket to the chief. He knows. But um, so yeah. you met the shooter when he came in. Like you remember him? Oh uh, yeah, I remember him. Like I said, because there was like my office, and right next was like a study classroom. So like if they weren't classed up, they would just study, right? Okay. And they'd go in there and they'd do whatever, and I'd pop in. You know, life sucked for them too, so I'd go in there and try to make you know joy of it, but. I mean, it was, um, it's not cool, but, like, I was thinking this, like, way before this ever happened, but, like, the the climate of, like, that office was, like, Saudis don't really like females telling them what to do, you know what I'm saying? And it kind of created, like, a situation, and I just remember saying, like, she gonna get us killed. Like, I just, what I remember saying was, like, she gonna get us killed, like, the lady I was working in there, I was like, this... This ain't going like yeah. I, you just think about it. You know what I mean. I didn't think it was gonna happen. You know, like I put it into existence, it's, but it was just like stuff I was seeing with just like how like yelling at these dudes or this or that. Like I just didn't want no part of it. You know what I mean. I didn't join the navy for this stuff. Like yeah. you know, I just didn't want no part of that. I was like like I'll, I'll go pick weeds out of the sidewalk. You know what I mean. Like I don't want no part of this. So it was just kind of like. No, no reason, no excuse. They can come up with fifty million why this dude did it. Like we already know why. You know what I mean? For a hatred of yeah. Western civilization is why. But yeah. um, it it just didn't help. You know what I'm saying? So that was like when I'd go next door, I'd holler at the guys, I'd you know say what's up, and like they'd be doing their you know Arabic and whatever, and then I'd say hey, make sure you're speaking English, coming down the hall. You know what I mean? Or the right next door. You know, so I'd try to look out for them because it made my job easier if I didn't have to stay there because they had to stay for the captain to get back or for somebody to show up so they can get disciplined or, or you know, or whatever, like, because I still had to stay. So, like, if mm-hmm. they had to stay, I had to stay. And I'm not trying to stay. So, it's just like, <laughs> oh, you know, I got I got stuff to do. Like, that's whenever I had, um, with that free time, that's why I, I started volunteering with the wrestling community in Gulf mm-hmm. Breeze, and that's kind of what kind of led me into a world that I never would have thought like opening that door you know what mm-hmm. I mean and that's a whole story we can get to here in a minute too but um yeah it just helped me pass time you know I volunteered at the high school and I volunteered with the youth program that they had and I only did it for two months and then it come December um like the shooting happened right yeah. December 6th right? December 6th yeah 2019, um, 2019. So, like, a little over three years ago yeah and I guess like I guess a pre-story before we get to that is like I met my wife here. So when I got here, that's half the reason, like, um, I wanted to stay too, right? Um, mm-hmm. I met her. I liked the area. And, like, we ended up getting married. Like, uh, I got here in, like, 2018. We got married in 2019. And uh, in March. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I got just married. Just married, right? And so um, we got got married in March. And she was the influence to 
me getting involved with the wrestling too. Like, so I was like, Hey, you know, there's a wrestling program here. I got like some free time. I just, you know, like I need my outlet back. You know, wrestling was just like my, my safety net, you know, like where I felt like I felt good. You mm-hmm. know, that was kind of my world. And so, yeah, I'm pretty sure the high school I went to has one. So we went, you know, line that all up and there we go. So yeah, we got married in March, started volunteering two months with the high school. And then December 6, 2019 is like, I call it my live day. You know what I mean? It's crazy. A lot of us aren't, don't have a lot of days. You know what I mean? You got a birthday. Mm-hmm. But, like, this was one that kind of, uh, I mean, it just changed me as a person, my perspective, like, just the way I view life, um, just being humbled and blessed and fortunate and, and that, like, having a belief in a higher hand and, like, all that mm-hmm. stuff, it really kind of resonated throughout me. And it was, like, my why came came to, yeah, it, it really showed up for me then. Like, I, I found I found my why. A lot of people would never find their why. And I thought I had one. You know, like I said, you come up with this BS reason why you're doing something or this or that. And sometimes it works, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, but other times it kind of goes away. It's like a fad, you know. Yeah. Um, what was but, that morning like? So that morning, um, I arrived. It was like 0, 530. I'm usually, I was always first one in there. Um, you walk in. Walked in through the side door. It was like the north entrance of the building, and um, the way this building is situated, it's 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 east west front door back door, but it's like the north south is kind of how it's sitting on that on base over there. Mm-hmm. So the quarter deck is like off that um, off that east entrance, right? Yeah. But uh, the guy came in through the north entrance, so I'm sitting in. Um, I came in through that entrance, and I'm like hit the lights for the hallway, turn it on, right? And I'm I'm sitting in my office and. Couple, uh, my office mates end up showing up. You know, they got there probably about six or so. And then um, some Saudis start calling in. They're supposed to muster. And they're like, oh, we got a flight, uh, got a test, you know, whatever. And then a couple show up. And then more phone calls coming in. And it's like, it's just like a regular Friday. You know, like, so my plan that Friday was actually to leave early. Like around noon, I was going to go catch the high school tournament that was actually down this way, the, the South Walton tournament. Um, so that was what I was going to go to. I was going to like knock out this morning duty, go go do that, right? So like I'm, I'm checking all these guys in. Um, everybody's present in my office. I have the ensign, this female ensign sitting in front of me. I'm sitting behind like this L-shaped desk, you know, brick wall behind me. It's like a wall, wall, like 16 by 16 foot office, little glass panel door in the front and a two L shaped desk in the back that run along the wall, then come across the front. And so I'm sitting at the one desk on like the north wall and then the uh, female, she's sitting right in front of me. The ensign is at this like circle, like conference table. And then there's like two couches to the left of me that are like right by the door, little, little office chairs. And that's where the other airman that was in the office was sitting. So these two Saudis come in check in they leave and well actually while they're there this saudi walked by mm-hmm. looks in smiles i said what's up smiles at me and just keeps it moving green flight suit helmet bag in his hand walk and just carries on right and uh these two leave One, did you think about anything like, didn't think anything the guy just said good i just said you know good morning yeah. what's up and then that, it was just you know, just no car- normal day normal day and then um <clears throat> the uh one more Saudi comes in, and then he leaves, and then all of a sudden, I hear a gunshot go off, mm. and I'm just, like, sitting there, and I'm, like, on the computer. I'm drinking coffee. You know, I've got the news on TV. We're just, like, like typical admin stuff, right? Yep. And the quarter deck's, like, like I said, it's off that east entrance, so it's only, like, 20 yards from my office. Like, if you could count mm. the doors, it's probably, like, five or six doors down, mm. and, um... I guess he, he went he went down to the quarter deck and he ended up like, he killed three service members down there, right? And I heard the gunshot go off and 
Then I heard these guys screaming and fighting. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I hear it now. You know, it's just something that don't leave you because it's like a grown man crying for his mom. You know what I mean? When you when you think about it, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's some heavy stuff. So it was like you start hearing that, and it was like it was like I didn't know what to do but I had to do something, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, I don't have no weapons. I don't have nothing like active shooter, like holy smokes, you know? And then something just told me he's, he's going to come to our office. You know what I mean? It was just, I had a feeling. So I jumped up and um, everybody had rose up in the office too. And I told the guy that by the door, I said, secure the door, cut the lights, turn off the TV, take cover behind the desk. And he went to the desk. I was on that South wall, that little L shaped desk. And, um, I had the uh, the female, I said, take cover behind me, call 911, report active shooter. And then I got my phone out, I called my Marine Corps captain. And um, I said, sir, there's a active shooter, don't enter the building. Because I knew like his schedule, what time he usually comes in, kind of like how the day starts going. And he just said, what do you mean? He's like, I was like, sir, active shooter, don't come in. He said, he said get out of the building. And as soon as he said that, um, it was a glass pane door. So like it's like half wood on the bottom and glass going up. The um, the gunman at the time was on the other side of the door. He shot out the glass panel, and he shot me and hit me right in my arm. And I was on the phone, so I dropped the call. And uh, I just remember, like, when that happened, I just looked at my, It's just so fast when I describe it, but it, to me it feels like time slowed down, like, like, a lot. But, like, I just remember looking at my hand, and I was just like, I can't believe i just been shot. You know what I mean? That, that's like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe i just been shot. But then it was like, as soon as I was thinking that, I was already turning like I, I rotated counterclockwise and he is, and I don't know if it's because I took one offside my ribs so he might've spun me a little bit too. You know what I mean? With this, that bullet coming in, but I just rotated backwards. The girl was squatting behind me kind of in a ball and I didn't like lay on top of her. I was just crouching and I was just like right in front of her. Mm-hmm. And, um, he lit me up like, and then I got hit two more times in my back. One came out, uh, the inside of my right thigh and the other one came out my left hip and um, my right calf and my left foot. And the one that ended up coming out of my thigh hit her in the calf. So it was just like, it was like a throwing through on me and hit her in the calf, a little flesh wound. Um, I just fell over. Like I fell over and started holding my head. And I was just like, um, like I just started like, I don't want to die. You know what I mean? You start thinking that stuff. Like, cause I just like literally just got like, it feels sick, like, sick like shot, sucker punched. Do you know what I mean? It's almost what it felt like. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'd say so. Yeah, like I'd like the dude just like like he got me good, and I'm like falling. Out. Like I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Like holy shit, I don't know how to stop gunshot wounds. You know what I mean? I'm just like thinking like in my head, and I'm like, all right, calm down, calm down. And then it was like, all right, I guess we're gonna find out what happens. Uh, that like I'm going through all this in my head. Like while I'm covering my head on the ground, I'm thinking like. I'm making up, like, I, I didn't see the guy, so I'm like, all right, this dude's got, like, a rifle, he's all blacked out. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's my mind's making up this stuff, Do you stuff, know right? uh, like what kind of weapon he was using? Uh, Glock 45 9mm okay. with extended magazine, so he's carrying 14 rounds. He put 14 into my office, and I caught six of them. The other guy that was next to me caught seven, um, and he had a broken leg. But it was, uh, he lived too. But, like, whenever I was, like, sitting there um, covering my head, um, I got, like, super comfortable all of a sudden. Like, I was okay with, like, dying. You know, like, I had, uh, I was, like, freaking out. And then all of a sudden, like, I just got super peaceful. But then but then it was, like, I, I was, I started getting coherent. And I could hear my phone. It was still on the call. And it said, Blackwell, Blackwell, Blackwell. And it, I could hear that. So I crawled to my phone, picked up my phone. I did a quick visual of the room, saw everybody. 
the girl, uh, the ensign had mouthed to me, you know, I saw her calf, she had a flesh wound, and the other guy was just screaming. And I remember I was like, like, shut the fuck up, dude. You know what I mean? You're going to get us killed. I was like, shut up, you know? And I'm like on the phone. I'm like, sir, we've all been hit. I'm going to get us out of here. I'll call you back. And I just like hung up through the phone in my pocket. And then I was just, I didn't know where the dude was at. Like I, I knew we weren't getting shot no more. So I just jumped up and I just ran to the back window. And I remember like, that's when I learned that my arm was like in bad shape. Like I couldn't use my, I had no feeling. It was like a hitting your funny bone, but it was like my whole arm and it was like on fire. Like it was, it was just like my whole right arm. I'm right hand dominant. You know, it just sucked. And so I got up, I ran to the window, and, like, in my head, I was telling myself, like, I'm fast enough. But, like, in the reality, I was thinking I'm about to get shot again. You know, like, that's mm-hmm. just what I was thinking. I was like, but I'm already dying anyways. I was, I'm already dying, you know. So, like, I'm, 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 I'm giving this a shot. So, like, I jump up, I run to the window, I unlock the top of it, and there's, like, an AC unit. It's, like, a floor unit with, like, a hose that goes up to the window, and it, like, kind of vents out, and... So, like, I unlocked the window, and I just, like, ripped that whole thing out with my left hand. And then the whole window came crashing down. It, like, just slid down. And, like, it was, like, old school. So, like, it was painted. So, it only went up so far anyway. So, like, I couldn't get the window up. And it was, like, a little lip. So, I couldn't get my fingers under it because my right hand wasn't working, right? So, I'm, like, with my left hand trying to get this window up. And I started freaking out. I was like, I, I thought I thought I was gonna get hit. You know, I'm like wasting too much time in front of this window. And so I just start yelling. Um, I'm like, get up, get up, help me with the window, get up. And then like the the female gets up, and then the other guy with the broken leg, he hobbles over, and like the three of us are able to get this window up. And then I just like dive out the window, and it's like, it's like seven foot, probably if like you know, jumping over that window, landed in some bushes. It was nothing crazy. Um. I dove out, landed in the bushes, and then there was a, the guy with the broken leg. We got him down to me, and then the female jumped out last. And then she said while she was on her way out, she heard the guy coming back to the office. So she uh, she went, like, a separate way than us. So I once we got out, I saw three guys standing in front of, like, like 110 yards. Like, they were at this building across the street called the Navy Yard Eatery. So it's just like, or you can go get lunch or breakfast biscuits or something. It's a little hot, hot bar kind of. Yeah spot they got so saw three dudes standing over there um the female she takes off so like we, we lose hers like she she like i said she saw a cop at the chapel or something like that but like i didn't i didn't see any of that i just saw dudes that were like 100 yards in front of me and i just started yelling like active shooter active shooter we've been hit active shooter and then like i run up to him and then they're just like they didn't they, they were like holy smokes you know like i had my i threw my right arm on my head when i started running i threw this guy up on my shoulder and like he's got a broken leg and we just took off like running and then uh when we get in, the kid just falls on the floor. Like, as soon as we get into this building, he just falls on the floor. And I'm, like, I'm like out of breath. Like, this happens so fast. I'm, like, I'm just, like, out of breath. And I'm, like, yo, get it. It's all, it's all windows uh, in this little lobby thing, too. So I'm, like, hey, uh, we got we to gotta get out of the lobby. I was, like, secure this building. I said, like, let's push it back. I said, we got to get out of the lobby. And um, I was, like, but I need to catch my breath. And I was, like, I got to call my wife. You know, I wanted to call her. And I was, like, Carly, like, I've been shot. I was like, I'm trying to get to a hospital. I just want to let you know I love you. Uh, tell my parents I love them, and I'll be in touch, you know, and that's, like, pretty much as far as the conversation <clears throat> went. But I wanted to get that off, you know what I mean? And it was kind of like, uh, I mean, it's, it's just so crazy. This is happening on U.S. soil, so I have, the, I, have the, I have the chance to do something like that, you know what I mean, to call my wife and tell my last goodbyes and stuff like that. That's what I'm thinking. So uh, I get off the phone with her, and then um, – the office workers are starting to work on the kid and they're like pushing wounds on it on uh, towels on his wounds and all that and i'm like 
walking i'm like uh call my captain back i'm like sir like where are you at i need a ride now and he's like i'm on my way i'm on my way and then like i, I hung up with him and then i'm like walking i'm like where's the back of this building and i was like i need to get out of here where's back of the building and i was like as i'm walking like everything is black like my vision but i'm still i can i'm standing you know what i mean but everything is black so like i'm bleeding out and I thought I got hit twice. I thought at my arm and I thought my leg. I thought I had like a big hole in the back of my leg and my arm. I didn't know like any of the other things that I had wrong with me. So I sit there at the office where he's like, sit down, sit down. So I was like, I sat down and I kicked my shoes up and I started trying to like breathe. You know what I mean? Just, I just yeah. kept trying to breathe. And I, it's like my vision started to come back a little bit and I saw my boot laces and I said, get me a knife. I need a tourniquet. I said, I'm going to cut my laces out. I was like, I was just going to cut my boot laces out and tie it around my arm or something. I thought my arm was what was causing the issue. I thought I got hit twice. I thought my arm was what was leaking real bad. And you know what I mean? That was just kind of, I didn't know it was everything else. And uh, as soon as, like, I said that, it was like, nah, like, your belt. And I, like, had a rigger's belt on. And I used to get in trouble for wearing this belt because it didn't have this shiny face on it. You know what I mean? And I took that rigger's belt off and I looped it around my arm and I just pulled as tight as I could. And it ended up crushing my arm, but it like it brought so much like adrenaline back to me that I was just like I was fired back up again, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, now I'm probably on a limited window, you know. That's what I was saying. Now I'm probably on a limited window. Like I need some help. And so I get back on the phone. I'm like, sir, where you at? And the office people are like, you can't leave. And I'm like, watch me. I'm leaving. I was like, he's pulling up. And I'm telling him like, hey, you can't go down this road. They got it blocked off. Got to come down the backside and. We'll be on the corner waiting for you. He comes up, pulls up in his personal vehicle, his little Toyota Tacoma. And um, I get the other guy. We come out the back of this building. We put him in the bed of the truck. We're in the back seat of the truck. He's on the back seat. And I come around to the front. And um, we just start taking off through the base. And he calls 911. He says, you know, I'm transporting two sailors up to the front. They're like, yeah, get up there. Ambulance will be up there waiting for you guys. And I get up to the front. So, you know, we're, we're going everywhere, all over the base, get up to the front. And then once we get up there, it's – uh. It's, like, so standstill traffic, you know, like, everybody's, this morning hour, everybody trying to get to work to begin with, but, um. Yeah, you add the active shooter on top of that, I'm sure it was a long, mess. It was a mess, and, uh, we get up there, I remember pulling up in his truck, and this deputy comes over, and my captain was, like, um, my Marine Corps captain, right, not, I'm not the base, base captain, but he's, like, uh. He's like, uh, where is it at? He's like, you, you guys going to transport him? He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue on in my truck. And they're like, no, wait, the ambulance 10 minutes out. So that means it's a 20-minute turnaround, 10 to get us and 10 to get back, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, no. So he, like, gets out of his truck, and he starts, like, walking around. And then um, they get the other guy in the back seat out. Like, my captain uh, gets the door open, and the sheriff comes over, and they put him in the bed of the truck. And I'm just walking around with my arm on top of my head, and I'm like, yeah, like, I need a ride, you know what I mean, like, I, I need to get to a hospital now, I was like, I'm not gonna make it, and then the, we're on the speakerphone with 911, and I'm telling her, I'm like, yo, I, like, you don't understand, I was like, I don't have time to wait for an ambulance, I was like, we gotta go, and I'm just telling her, like, and that's when I got out of the car, and then, like, so they got him out, and I got out, I walk around to the back, and then, like, um, one of the service members that passed away was already up there, I saw him laying on the pavement, and that's when it was kind of like a, it was another reality to me, you know what I mean? And I was just like, uh, I got to get to a hospital, you know, like I'd done everything I could do up to this point. Like I got to the help, you know what I mean? Like I, I need some, I need, need to get to hospital. And then like, I'm just like, I'm running my mouth too. You know what I mean? Like I, I was running my mouth and this uh, deputy comes up to me. I was, I'm telling you, I was running my mouth and um, I was MFing everybody up there, but it was like, um, the deputy came up 
uh, with Escambia County, and he said, you're not going to die on my watch. He said, get in the back of my cruiser. Mm-hmm. And so that was whenever um, whenever I was like, okay, yeah, all right, like we're, we're rolling. So yeah. It's time to go. And uh, I, I walk up to his cruiser. I open up the door, and then there's a cop sitting in the back seat. And he's shot in the leg, and his leg's just bleeding all over the back of the car. And there's no, no tourniquet. There's no no stuffing in it. There's nothing going on. He's just wincing, sitting in the back of the car. So I, uh, as soon as I get in, I saw it, and I just put my left elbow in his leg. And I was kind of laying on my left side anyway, so I just plugged his leg with my elbow. And I said, uh, I was like, sir, you got to pull on my belt. And I was like, you got to pull the belt around my arm because I had to let go of the belt to plug his leg. I was like, sir, you got to pull this belt. Um, you help me, I'll help you, you know, and then that's – that's what we did. I remember we were like driving and we're like getting ready, getting ready to pass Navy Hospital. I'm like, turn left. He's like, nah. He's like, you're going to die if you go there. Yeah. He's like, nah. <laughs> He's like, nah. And so we're like going down the road and I'm like, all right, this thing got speakerphone. He's like, yeah. I was like, call my wife, you know, tell her where I'm going. And she didn't answer. And then like it comes across the radio, we got him. And then that's what he turns back. He says, hey, we got him. We got him. And I said, was it a Saudi flight student? That's like just what went off in my head. And he yeah. said, it was. And I said, I know who it was. It was the guy that walked by that, that morning, right, that looked in and smiled. So it's kind of, like, eerie when you start thinking about that. And um, so we're rolling all the way up to the hospital, and I end up calling my dad, like, right when I pulled in. So I, I remember it was uh, I seen the Baptist, and I called him. So, like, I made all these calls throughout this whole duration, from the moment I called my captain from when this thing went down to, like, when I called my dad. And it um, 646 was, like, when I got shot. And 7.13 is when I arrived to the hospital. So 27 minutes was, like, wow. the duration of time it took to get from, like, point A to point B, you know, and figure out everything in between. And um, it was kind of like uh, once I got to the hospital, I was riding this wave of adrenaline or, you know, whatever. My body dumped into me, and um, I guess got out of the car, and I walked right in. I walked into the hospital. And uh, they're telling me to lay down and stuff, you know. And they had – it was like a changeover, so they had extra nurses and extra doctors, which worked out for us. But it was um, – it was still crazy. They're lined up with the stretchers when I got there, and I was the first one there. So, like, I got out, I walk in, I'm just, like, covered in blood, and they're just looking at me like, what the heck is wrong with this dude, you know? And they're like, mm-hmm. you got to lay down. I'm like, all right. You know, at first, I'm like, I got shot in the butt. <laughs> you know what I mean? I felt like the back of my leg. I was like, I got shot in the butt. I can't lay down. They're like, no, you got to lay down. Lay down, and they, like, rolled me in the back, and, um, yeah, put you on the metal table and just started, like, cutting all my clothes off and Went through all, like, I, th- I thought I got hit twice, and then they started saying, I got one here, I got one here, I got one here, and, you know, and then it was just like, we need to put you through a CT scan, see how this things went, and, um, yeah, went, went and did that, and I guess come to find out, like, the guy was using ball rounds, and that gun, the Glock 45, mm-hmm. my mill, and um, they ricocheted, it's like yeah. how, how that went, so my intestines got hit a little bit, so I was, uh, I was leaking on the inside, and so I ended up having a colostomy bag. But it was just kind of crazy how, like, that news was, like, brought to me. And it feels like this stuff all happened so quick. But I'm, like, sitting in ICU, and um, <laughs> they, they like, all my clothes were in a bag, you know. And my wife was, like, all my bloody clothes, they put it in a bag. And I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, where's my wife at? You know what I mean? Like, she's texting me. Like, they rolled me back into ICU to wait for these results. So they had me, like, stable. But I was sitting there, and I was, like, well, let me get my phone. I'm going to start, you know, like call my buddies or something i was like i want i just felt like i need to talk to everybody you know and um i know i was all right or whatnot but like where's where's my wife at you know they bring her back there and they give her my clothes 
all bloody everything nice. and she's sitting in the sure lobby that, that did it a lot good for her oh yeah and then the fbi comes and they're like oh you're not supposed to have that you know what i mean they take it back from her but they like literally if you're going into surgery and they're like oh yeah it's a nice outfit we'll save it for you when you get out here you go you know what i mean like that's pretty much how that went so it was just kind of bizarre um like her first she saw me i was just you know all covered head to toe in blood then she gets that and it was just kind of it was a lot and then um then I started having my buddies kind of show up. I was supposed to go to the, the wrestling tournament, right? Remember I said, like, I was going to get it at 12. So I was like, oh, man, these dudes are waiting at Walmart for me. So I was like, let me go before I go into surgery. Let me call them real quick. So I called the high school, and I was mm-hmm. like, hey, active shooter. I just got shot. I'm getting ready to go into surgery. Um, don't wait for me. I was like, y'all going to be late if you wait for me. And um, <laughs> they were like, are you serious? Holy I was like, shit. Yeah, I was yeah. like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, look it up. Um, I was like, I'm, I'm literally about to go into surgery. And um, – they were just like, oh my gosh, so whatever, get off. And then my um, my one of my buddies, uh, Kevin Lace, I met him through wrestling, coaching his son. And so I'm thinking like national emergency, you know what I mean? Like who's one of the toughest guys I know out here is, is Kevin, you know what I mean? So I was like, I got to call Kevin. I was like, I got to tell Kevin what just happened. And um, he's like, he's like, dude, what? He's like, I'm on my way. And, you know, and he's like, I'm telling him, and he's like, uh, is there anything you need? I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm, I'm just like, I'm sitting up in this bed and I'm butt ass naked. I said, I need some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and he brought me like, he brought me a bunch of clothes. It was, it was pretty cool. And then, um, he showed up and then it was, it was just kind of cool. Um, just like being able to be like kind of mentored by him a little bit too. And like knowing like what, what he's done in his life and everything. It's kind of, that's motivational too. And then the fact that I'm like, at my bedside I'm in ICU like Kevin comes in there and he's like uh man it's tough being alone you know what I mean because my like people were coming and going and he was just telling me he's like I think my uh wife was talking to my mom or something but it was just like he said we'll hang out with you for a little bit he's like it's tough being alone and all that and I was just remember telling him I was like dude I don't I was like I don't know why you're here I was like I'm I'm not like you know I was going through all this I was like I'm I'm not I'm not like no operator I'm not none of these team guys I'm none of that he said nah he's like but I ain't no two-time state champ either is what he said to me so it was kind of cool where we found like a common ground and he's been kind of like um really pivotal as far as my recovery went is and just kind of helping me um just really anything that I need just being there for me but uh yeah so I'm sitting there and I'm going through all these like talking all these people well here comes the chaplain and the surgeon and so I'm sitting there I just get off my phone and Carly's back in there and they say hey uh, we got to grow an emergency surgery now he's like results came back your intestines been hit they're leaking across your body and you're gonna have a colostomy bag don't know if it's forever we don't know um if it's temporary we won't, uh, won't know until we go in there um, i said okay what's a colostomy bag and then they're like um so when they divert your large intestine out of your stomach that's gonna be how you go to the bathroom and um yeah and here we go and you know what i mean so they just prayed with me and then we rolled in and then um i came out and yeah, i woke up in the recovery ward well i was in icu a little bit um i actually had the chiefs mess come visit me it was pretty cool so my dad's buddies were like master chiefs out this way yeah. so he was able to call them up and they all like rallied up and came and came and showed me some love but yeah it was um it was rough like my um my median nerve got hit in my arm so it, like paralyzed like pretty much my whole hand except for my pinky and half of my ring finger so it was like i had no use of my fingers for a little bit of time and um yeah, it was, um, it, it was, and then it was like, like I said, four months, I ended up having that colostomy bag for, you know, mm-hmm. so that was just hurdles, um, you know, from there, and then plus everything else you're doing with my hand was messed up, 
have the colostomy bag and my wife has to take care of me now. We had just got married in March. This happens in December. Oh, guess what? COVID shows up. You know what I mean? So now all of a sudden you can't even have somebody go to your doctor's appointment with you. So it just made it like really tough to, uh, you know what I mean? Kind of get through all of it. But like I said, I've always been wanting to find ways to get myself mentally tougher. Right. So this is just another way you yep. know, had to tap into my support system a little bit more. Um, but yeah, and like, it's just crazy to think, you know what I mean? And it's like uh, on U.S. Oil 1, you know what I'm saying? And it's a guy that's in a flight suit for another country. And I guess during the middle of this, like, firefight, not even, like, firefight, it's like this guy's just, like, shooting. Like, they said he looked like Michael Myers. I asked the SWAT team. SWAT team took him out. I said, what's this guy? What do he look like? Did he look, like, tactical? Like, you know, what, what do he look like? He's like, nah. He was like Michael Myers, just, like, blank face, walking down the hall, just shooting. You yeah. know, and that's all he was doing. And uh, then the, the SWAT team ended up, you know, like, taking him out. And Did you, um, so this this active shooter, right, you, I know before we talked about, you know, you, you'd you always go in, talk to the Saudis, or, you know, just try and be cool with them. Did you have, I'm, I wouldn't say like a relationship, but did you know this individual? Like, hey, you were cool, he was cool with you, you were cool with him? I think, like, um I wasn't really cool, like, try to be friends with any of them. No, right? You yeah, know what I mean? I'm but, like, like no, friendly, but, like, but as far as that guy, I do remember, like, I can tell you in that classroom back right corner, that's where he was sitting at. You know, like, I, I, I do remember that stuff, okay. you know, and I, but it was never, like, I didn't, like, go above and beyond for him. Or, like, I, I remember the guy probably being quiet or stuff like that, too, you know. Um, but, like, all in all, it was nothing that, like, raised an alarm. You know, but then you, you learn, so that's, like, the, the bulk of, like, this story, at least my, like, what happened to me. But then you start learning, like, as they start to investigate this thing, like, okay, how is that possible? You know, like, yeah. the gun. How is the gun possible on base? You know, how is a foreign national with a gun possible? You know, and then they find out there was a loophole where you could have a hunting license as a foreign national and you could buy a gun. And he bought the gun from a pawn shop. And so then he had the gun on in base housing since July right and the shooting happens in december and then they have it up to the point like all this stuff they're going through this guy's phone this is prior to um like actually cracking that iphone like getting apple to, uh or they had their fbi team crack it but um he was doing like um these anti-jihadist stuff on like uh twitter right and then like went went to the 9-11 memorial they said and that was kind of like what they were trying to say is like during like the holidays, he went home and got radicalized, you know, but it, that wasn't the case. The more they kind of started peeling the layers of the onion back. Um, the night before the shooting, he had a dinner party and it was, they were watching like mass shootings and that, that's all stuff that's been reported and everything. So it was like a lot of things that were like red flags for most, most people, yeah. right? Like just completely aren't red flags. And then, um, they crack his phone and they, they come to find out this guy had a manifesto and it was dated to 2015 when he got radicalized. Mm. And, um, Holy shit. So yeah, he'd been planning this for a while. Yeah. Or doing something like something. This. And then they came over 19 years old, you know what I mean? And just does what he does. And it's just crazy to think of how much red tape there is with social media to begin with. You know what I mean? To see some stuff like that. That's like blatantly like, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then even outside of that, when you go through, like, um, you can say the vetting process might not be, you know what I mean? It, or or it is. It is thorough. Maybe they say the vetting process is thorough, right? And you can your argument to that is going to be, well, um, after, like, this shooting, they, like, halted this, this training program or whatever. 
you can look this stuff up too, but they um they sent twelve Saudis back home. So in a flawed vetting process, that's gonna that's gonna confirm that right that you if there's there's one bad apple and you find twelve more, something's up. You know what I mean? But if it was like oh there's just one bad apple, the rest are good, there probably wouldn't have been twelve that you would send home. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So you start looking at things from that perspective. But I know like as much as it would like. I didn't really focus on this during my recovery. This is all, like, I've learned a lot of this knowledge, like, after I kind of recovered. Because I didn't need this, like, getting into my head. Like, I had other stuff I had to deal with. But, like, as I started, like, okay, I want to learn how this was possible. I want to learn, like, kind of what happened. Um, Where this guy was going to the gun range at. You know what I mean? Like, all this stuff. Like, I've learned all that, you know. And um, Mm. not to say they knew. How they gonna know? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they don't know, but um, just just different things, and it's just kind of like, all right, like there's uh, a gun on base since July. You know what I mean? Like, and you guys getting mad at me for having a pocket knife? Mm. You, you know what I mean? Like, or, or like, or having a having a rigger's belt on? <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like the uh, the standard wasn't wasn't there, and it's like when these guys get here, I know from like I said, it's from an E three perspective, and I can I, I you get a they let their guard down around people with lower rank. You know what I mean? So you can start to see the inside of these guys a little bit, and you start seeing, like, it's like Rumspringer over here. You know what I mean? For them, like, there is no all of that they're falling behind. Like, these guys were going, you know, like, partying. They'll tell you about it. You go in the classroom, they tell you about the drinking, they tell you about this stuff, you know, or whatever. So it was like they did what they wanted. Yeah. Essentially, they did what they wanted. And they're know? like you, we talked about earlier, there is no standard for them. Uh, they're they're definitely treated differently. Um because their country paid yeah. for them to come over here, and they paid our government for I them mean, to get the training. So, 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 like just civilian, right? Yeah. Like I, I'm the I'm the probably normal listener. Yeah. Right. Like so. So, especially with Twitter, they have. I mean, he's posting radical stuff on Twitter. Has a hunting license. Has a gun. Right, like, and is on base, is on base there, and you, you would you, you're saying they're turning a blind eye to it because of the money. I don't think they knew. You know what I'm saying? Or they're not they, looking into it because it's they like, don't want to. I don't even know. It's not I can't they're even... turning a blind eye to it. It's they are treated differently because their country is paying X amount of dollars, and I'm sure it's a lot. Yeah. So, our government is yeah. not going to treat them the same way they treat us. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, we, we have the money. Just let them come and go as they please. Yeah. Uh, and don't you don't want to – and I think there is that, you know, difference between, um, you know, uh, where am I going with – difference between, you know, our morals and beliefs and their morals and beliefs, and we don't want to offend them in any way because they had already paid the money. So you're sort of walking on eggshells around them, you know, with how they're treated, yep. which then obviously can result in something like this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, – it's like the the more, like – I don't know. So all that stuff, like I said, I didn't, like, know a ton of this stuff because my dad was like, don't watch the news. You know, you don't need to be watching this stuff. No. Like, like you need to, like, not watch any of this stuff. No. And um, so it kind of, like, my recovery, we can talk about my recovery a little bit, right? Because that, yeah. that was, like, a pretty pivotal point in my life, too, was that, like, I, I was in the hospital for a week. And I was, like, mm-hmm. but I was trying to get out. Like, anything I could do to get out, like, I was trying to get out, you know? And I just didn't want to be there. I, like... It was crazy. I had I had like a military watch on my office or on, on my hospital room, but like at first I had nobody. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? Like there was there was reporters coming up. It was crazy. And then like then they stuck like somebody there and then um my there's like a Keiko. So it's a person that like contacts your family yep. if you pass away or or if something tragic like this happens. <clears throat> I was the Keiko for my own thing pretty much. I ended up having a chief step up and he heard about it and he came over, but like I they they took it as me calling my my parents and calling Carly was good enough. And so they, the Navy never contacted my family and let them know what was going. So my parents were on way to see me because I called them and told them I got shot, not because the Navy called them. Yeah. And the Navy still hasn't called them, uh, you know. And then so I had this Chief Lewis. He showed up, uh, put on his blues, and he was he was the Keiko for, like, all of us. You know, he just – he heard, like, what was going on. Like, any Chief Woody stepped up and did what, he, did what he was supposed to do, you know. And so that was, like – that was cool. Um, but I was, like – like I said, a week um, – I was like kind of like turned down all the interviews and all that. And it was, it was just, I wasn't trying to talk about any of this stuff, you know? And then I had one guy that like got some bogus interview off me cause I just come out of surgery and I thought it was my, one of my boys that was calling me and I just kind of went on a tangent, but it was, it was, uh, some journalist or yeah, but he didn't even, he didn't even print it right. So it wasn't even like, oh, they're parasites. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> stupid. But, um, but my goal was, um, I said, I'm gonna walk out. I walked into this hospital. I'm going to walk out. Is like what I told him. And uh, this is one week after getting shot. It's like a Friday or something. And um, that tournament was Saturday that Ryan Blackwell you went to. So that was the first one they did it. So that Friday before the tournament is when I was like, I'm walking. I'm walking out of this place. And so they're like, uh, no, you need a wheelchair. I'm like, no. I was like, you're walking. I'm like, no. I was like, I'm walking out. I walked in. I'm walking out. Mm-hmm. And then they, um, they're like, all right, we'll, we'll use a cane. I said, okay, I'll use a cane. And I was like, um just tell me where I got to go. And they're like, all right, well, there's benches along the way. If you need to take a seat. And like, I, I just made a point. I was like, I'm going to just like own this. And I like, I had a lot of time to reflect. My hand was like on fire um, when I was in there. So talk about gunshot wounds. You know what I mean? Like if you get hit in like a nerve, it's like um, uh, electrocuting yourself. You ever, mm-hmm. But like hitting your funny bone at the same time. It's mm-hmm. just like, it yeah. just like lit me up. And then, so then it was, they were trying to do the sensation. Like, so they had to touch gauze on my hand and stuff to try to get the sensation back. And it would just like put me through the roof, like just a little bit of gauze, just like touching my hand to try to get all that feeling back. Um, it was crazy, but it was like, I, they let me go. I walk out and um, make it all the way home. Then I had like a military escort home and I had like a watch on my house. But this is where it gets good because, um, I'm like, I'm, I'm always down for a good time too. And I'm like, I don't want to feel sorry. So I, I was in the hospital. I scheduled a party at the house. I had like mm-hmm. everybody come over. And so when I got home, we just do a, like a, a rager at the house. Like my parents nice. are in town. Like it was just like, I just got out of the hospital. We're all partying. And I got all these dudes like, uh, uh, rotating shifts on my house for a watch. And then when they would get off their watch, they'd take their, take their, uh, their stuff off. They come up. Come and join the party. Yeah. yeah. It, it was pretty sick. Um, I thought that was cool. Well, it was a little bit of the camaraderie, you know what I mean? Cause I was yeah. like, I didn't, I didn't want it to feel like, um, I, didn't, I mean, I don't want to feel insensitive to any of it too, but I know it wasn't conducive to my recovery for me to sit there and go, whoa, is me. You yeah. You I don't want to act like, like a victim. No, yeah. like my thing, it was just like, 
holy shit, I can't believe I just pulled that off. You know what I mean? That's like a 0.1% chance that I had. Like, I'm a sitting duck, like shooting fish in a burrow. And you put 14 rounds into a small space, I mean, it's you're bound to catch a few of them, and they might not be good. You know, like, I think about the one on my ribs. If I'm positioned different, I don't rotate this through the boiler room, I'm done. You know, like, it's just little things like that. Or if I'm standing up and these things go through me another way or, you know, however, however that goes. But um, I just, like my mind like wouldn't shut off right when I got home and so it was like I had to sleep in a medical chair and um I was like super paranoid but but in the been it was but it was weird because like I didn't die you know what I mean but it's like you come close to death but then it's like everybody talks about you see this flash or you see this or that like I ain't seeing that you know what I mean like am I am I am I like going the wrong way with stuff you know what I mean like do I, do I need to like <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying I'm just like all right but I wasn't dead I change my ways yeah but I, thought I was I was pretty good you know what I mean I was like um but no it was uh just a lot of overwhelming like I was just thankful and then I'm like okay well like how did I do this? You know what I mean? How did I do this? I'm just up for like two months. I'm like in this chair and I'm just like, can't sleep and everything and doctor's appointments and you know the, the whiz guy, I guess you all the, the wizard and all that stuff. And I'm just like, um, yeah, is a wizard psychologist. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, um, how'd your wife handle all this? Dude, it was tough. It was tough for her. This is the first year of y'all's marriage. <laughs> like it was tough. Yeah. Set the I tone. mean, she, yeah, it was anything <laughs> after that. We're good, you know, but like it was, she, I mean, she was, she was my saving grace. You know what she I mean? Cause I needed, up. I needed her because I couldn't take care of myself. Like she had to bathe me when I got home. Like I could barely bend over. Like I could barely move, but I was like super like turtle paste doing everything couldn't use my right hand so everything's left-handed you know and it was just like it was it was rough but uh I had to find a way to channel like everything I was going on and I'm thinking like how did I pull this off right and it was um I was like all right well I was a wrestler uh I was ocean lifeguard learned some life-saving stuff so that's probably where I got that at and I was just like this mindset though I was like uh, and it's not even like I'm just, I'm not no no David Goggins or Jock I'm none of those dudes you know what I mean I'm just a guy that works hard and then puts myself in situations that others don't want to do and that's how I, I get mentally tough you know what I mean and wrestling was one of those sports that did that for me so I start thinking like all this stuff and I'm like oh I was just well trained you know what I mean I was just well trained throughout life I yeah. was like I just learned some things along the way that compounded to this moment and um, it just worked even better that my last name is Blackwell. So Blackwell, well-trained, you know, so it kind of mm. was a play on words. And then I was like, right, I'm going to run with it. And I, I remember, like, growing up, me and my dad would joke around because I had, like, a wrestle mat in my garage and weight set. We'd, you know, call it, like, well-trained and all that, you know. And it was kind of like, you know, something to help keep us motivated. And then uh, in college, I did, like, a facilities and design project, and uh, it was, I called it well-trained. had a little logo. So I kind of already had some grassroots stuff, but it was nothing that I ever thought would manifest into anything and then as i'm going through this recovery i just start like i'm gonna make a website but i got one of my one of my boys he makes websites so all i had to do is just make the the basic outline of it and then he souped it up for me check you know got that <laughs> and then it's like all right so i still got buddies that are wrestling in college and coaching in college i was like i'm just gonna get some shirts and some hats made and i'm still helping with the kids so i was like i'm just gonna start tossing gear out you know just get the brand out there for them and uh, it was pretty good, and, like, COVID happens, right? So during the middle of this, like, we have a little bit of wrestling, but then all of a sudden, like, COVID really shuts everything down. So now there's no wrestling. You know, there's no nothing. And I'm, like, um, just had, like, like all right, you know what I mean? Like, we got we to gotta start kind of, like, figuring out how we're going to do this, you know, but I still have surgeries going on. So, like, the wrestling, like, as much as I was, like, kind of 
doing the foundation work, there was no, I didn't think I was having anything like what you have here. You know what I mean? I didn't think I was going to have any of that stuff. It was just like, I'm just going to build a brand. Sure. I guess I'm just going to build a brand. And then like from there, like, um, had stomach surgery four months after, um, and then I ended up getting discharged, um, prior, prior to that or right, right after that, um, two months after that in June, um, but yeah, so I don't want to jump all over, but it's some of the stuff I need to like, you know, because if it goes down the timeline from like the, the the manifesting of the gym to like, I think this is what really like propelled me to do it in the timeline that I did was because of my discharge from the Navy, yeah, you know, and then um because the gym got opened in December right after my discharge, so it kind of like December twenty 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 one so year one year to the day wow. I cut the ribbon, yeah. And um, it was How on cool December 6, 2020. I cut the ribbon and, like, had wrestling for the kids. But it's it was, badass. yeah, but it was, like, um, I recovered pretty good. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to, like, ever have anybody look at me and be able to tell anything. I work hard not to show my wounds. You know what I mean? I work hard to stay in shape and all that stuff. I don't want nobody feeling sorry for me. I don't need nobody giving me an attaboy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um I didn't, it wasn't like you, you get shot and you, you win a million dollars. You know what I mean? No, like you got to keep going. You got to keep going. And it wasn't like, um, my situation with like the discharge from the Navy and all that stuff. It doesn't like change the outcome of anything. I was 27 years old and now I got six more holes in my body and I still got to figure out how I'm going to live the rest of my life. You know? Well, surely and you got paid out for that from the Navy, right? Like, I mean, you, I got, um, active shooter comes on base, shoots you up six times, like. It would think going to take care of them. You would think um, it was so during like um, like my med board process, right? I signed I signed my I had signed a uh, med board, so I was getting med boarded from my wrist throughout. Um, reason why I was in in Pensacola, Florida, and the findings had came back that I was getting medically retired for um, a pretty much a wrist fusion that I had um, sustained during like with training throughout the Navy, right? The first six months, and um, I signed it. And then, like, six weeks later, I get shot. So it's just, like, it's a cluster of, like, okay, well, what do we do, right? And being that, like, come from a military background, my dad's a retired Navy chief. Chiefs know it all, you know, and they have connections if they don't know. And so he starts reaching out to his network, and he's like, hey, um, they're trying to discharge Ryan off of a 2018 med board. He's been shot six times in 2019. Has a colostomy bag, losing part of his large intestine, completely yeah. lost function in his fingers. You know what I mean? Like has uh has like you know what whatever else you want to call it. But um, it was just like no, he already signed it, couldn't do anything, and um, man. and so I was like instead of just like fighting this uphill battle, we just found it was easier for me to just kind of. I mean, kind of do what I'm doing now. You know what I mean? You got to fight it from the other side. It was easier for me to fight it from the same team, but it's like now I got to like, it was getting no progress, right? I had admirals. I had the, um, thought of like high ranking Marines and stuff like that, that were kind of like on my side. And, um, but it, it was just like, so like the way the discharge went, I get stomach surgery that hit me up. So we're discharging you in May. I said, uh, I just got home from the hospital my right arm don't work, and you guys are talking about doing a nerve graft, taking the nerve out of my leg and putting it in my arm to make my arm work again. And um, I was like, so I'm not even, like, medically cleared or anything. Like, yeah. all right, we'll extend you to June, but anything you need, just let us know. That's just what it kept saying. Anything you need, just let us know. And I'm like, all right. Um, I was like, well, can I go on, can I go on terminal? I got 52 and a half days of leave. Can I go on terminal? 
And, um, you know, cause that would have been going into COVID, uh, my wife lost her job. She was a bartender downtown Pensacola. So she's not working though. There's one income right now. It's mine. And it would have been nice to have some of that BAH money, you know, that I would have picked up on selling the leave days. This gives you your base pay. Yeah. If I take the terminal leave, I get, I get all my money, you know? So they didn't want to, it's cheaper for the Navy for me to just sell my leave days back, you know, cause then they don't have to pay my house housing and any of that stuff. So, um, they just came up with some bogus thing like yeah you can't because you've been on convalescent for six months so you gotta sell your leave days back so i was like all right um selling them back and then i i go to like get my les and i'm I'm looking I'm like they're like you're not gonna get paid for two months until your va comes in and then you'll get back paid yeah but that's what, that's a regular how it works but everybody. what happened was they put down on my les a separation pay and so the separation pay, uh, instead of my leaves days or my last month's paycheck, it went down as a separation pay. And so they paid me out. And it's almost like close to the, to the same number, but it's not. Like the my leave days and my last month's paycheck was more than what that separation pay is. But I shouldn't have gotten a separation pay because I'm getting medically retired through the IDES program. Even though I got shot in 2019, they're, they're, they're discharging me based on 2018 findings, right? So... um They, the IDES um, program, it's like, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to run, run this back. Where was that on this? I completely jumped off. We were talking about, so they were going to pay you. Okay. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So now the separation pay withholds the VA now. So the VA is not going to back pay because they see I got money that I wasn't warranted because I wasn't supposed to get a separation pay. However, I was supposed to get my last month's paycheck and my leave days. They messed it up. Admin messed this up. You don't say. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so now, like, none of that's ever been resolved, right? And then they were like, oh, yeah, you'll be, um, I'm like, well, I need, you know, we got to try to make a living and all this stuff. And it's like, um, my TSGLI. So it's like your SGLI life insurance policy that you carry. It's this blank check you sign. It's up to $400,000 for your family if you pass away, right? And it's, um, it's a payout, though, if you get hurt and, like, you don't die. And it's like, you get paid out on this thing. Yeah. And it's an application you have to fill out. And so I have, like, the Navy flight talk fill it out, and I get denied. They said my injuries didn't warrant anything. What? Because they only put one week, and they needed at least, um, like, 30 I days or something. I think it's 30 to 45 days. Right. And yeah. I had a colostomy bag for four months, you know, like, and then I had surgeries after that. So I, And then so it was, like... Basically, they're finding loopholes. That I mean, that's what like trying to find any sort of loopholes to pay you the least amount. Well, I didn't get paid anything. It was just denied, denied, denied. You know what Dude. I mean? So then it was. Then I was like, all right, well, let me uh, apply for um, social security disability income. I was like, let me do that right now, so I can get a little bit of coin rolling in. Denied. Said my like my injuries didn't warrant that. Then I'm like, all right, is there anything for my wife? You know what I mean? Like, is a home caretaker or like any of this stuff? Denied. And so then we're just like, we we don't get any of those resources, right? And then it's like, uh, the community was helping us. You know what I mean? Like I had the wrestlers and stuff like that, people that I've like we developed on our own. But it was like we we weren't getting any of that. And then the icing on the cake is like you get out in June. And we're renting a house, and the homeowners want it. And now we can't find a place to live because it's COVID, and there's yeah. nothing available. You know what I mean? So I bought a camper, and I lived in a camper for eight months. As soon as I got out of the Navy in June, I lived in a camper. 
And I, it was up in, parked up in Jay. It was the only place I could get a campground at was up in Jay. And I stayed in that camper, and um, I was like, we started working towards this thing with the gym. Like, I got kind of got at one of the dads that kind of got, you know, invested in this stuff and that. And he's like, uh, come uh, October, he's going to own this building. And he said, it's for me to run this wrestling program out of because there's no wrestling. But I'm up in Jay. And I'm like, all right, well, who's going to um, renovate this? He said, you are. Roger that. I was like, when can I start? He said, I'll have the keys Sunday. I said, I'll be here Sunday. And so I brought a 20-foot ladder, a sawzall, and I went in there with a sledgehammer and we went to work. And we demoed it the whole first week, demoed all the walls, I opened it up. I had some buddies that would stop in, you know, throughout the day to kind of help me out and stuff. And it, it's pretty cool. I got videos on my phone of all this stuff. And it was like, I would drive an hour, work that all day to like 9 o'clock at night, drive an hour back. And I just did that every single day. And then... um it took us two weeks to get that rolling and I ended up rolling the mats down. We had like 20 kids, 30 kids, maybe if that starting up and it was just kind of just get, getting the grassroots growing. But it, it was really cool. Cause like we did a soft opening, like just to kind of get the, the, the word out in like November. And then I did the big one on December 6th. That's when I had like some uh, nonprofit groups come. I had Kevin come with his book. I was just trying to just like hype it all up. I had like uh, shark bite Navarre and where oh, we nice. at seafood. I yeah. had all them dudes up in there. Just like, they just, it was awesome. It was all for the kids and everything. And, um, but like that morning though, it was actually how we kicked it off was, uh, I have a hero workout I do every December 6th. And so it's, uh, something I, I kind of just made that I do it. It really sucks. Um, but you got to do it like with, you need help when you do it, but it's three exercises for the three that passed away. It's pushups, pull-ups and squats. And then it's eight repetitions of each for the eight that were injured. And it's 27 minutes. You just rotate that. And it's just a burner because then pull-ups will get you. And at some point you're going to fail. Somebody's got to hold your feet, you know what I mean, on your pull-ups, or somebody's going to have to talk you through some push-ups or whatever, but that's something we would do every, we've done it every year so far, and uh, we did that that morning, and then that e that afternoon, we cut the ribbon, so on the year, December 6, 2020, we ended up cutting the ribbon, opening up that gym, and then um, it was like shortly, shortly after that, or, yeah, shortly after that, Carly, um, she ended up getting pregnant with Raina, and then I was like, oh yeah, we can't, we can't be in this, this camper no more, you know what I mean, we got three dogs in us, so I was like, all right, so, Got uh, got rid of the camper. Uh, COVID was kind of starting, uh, you know, at least in Florida, it was starting to get back to a little bit of normalcy. Yeah. And uh, so we were able to kind of, believe it or not, I found a spot on Craigslist. And it's like a dope house. It's like three houses from the Gulf. Um, and it's like you can see Pensacola Beach, like, across. It's pretty cool. And, like, I found it on Craigslist. Got a good deal on it. So, like, God does his thing. You know what I mean? And that's when I started learning, like, my why and I keep bringing that up like my purpose because like, it was kind of like I've always had faith and never thought my faith was based on attendance of like attending a church or, or anything like that but you know like the belief of like a higher hand or or this or like a, a universal code where you put something out and you kind of get it back to you or whatever and it was kind of I started like experiencing that a little bit you know like I started trying to stay positive and doing stuff for the community and doing all this and that and I started kind of um, attracting things in my life and it was like three things that had bothered me like the most after getting shot was that I had no kids. I didn't feel like I made an impact. And then you start talking about your legacy. You know what I mean? Like what's your legacy? So like 
how I just pretty much solved it all for me was that my impact is the gym well-trained, you know, and that's how I'm going to give back to the kids and the community and the veterans and any way I can support. And then the legacy is my daughter, you know, and any kids that come after that, you know, so I kind of, now that I got them two boxes checked, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it helps me. That's my why, you know what I mean? Like it's my impact that I'm creating on the world and the legacy you leave behind, you know, when they don't see your face, what's still there. So it's kind of, it was kind of surreal that uh, everything happened so quick, and I'm like a business owner before I'm 30, you know, and it was like 28 years old. I like own my own business, and then here we are now starting the third year. Um, 30, it's going good, and uh, so when I met Eddie was at the tournament they do every year. They Golf Breeze had a tournament they called um, Ryan Blackwell Invitational, so they every year they would do it at the high school first year my dad went i couldn't go second year i went made some long sleeves for the kids uh third year same deal got him some singles and then this year we like we leveled it up and went to uwf and six mats down just pretty much i just went like i said uh, there ain't no party like a well-trained party you know and that's it was, just it was just, awesome it was an and awesome i'm gonna tournament. we're gonna level it up again you know what i mean it's just well, my thing if you create create it create something that's gonna stick with these kids forever you know what i mean and you can you can shape their life and it's not based on wins and losses it's all effort based right attitude and effort and that's like let me see that column you know what i mean if you got poor attitude poor effort and you're still winning i'm not really too worried about you you know what i mean it's just not really conducive to what we're trying to get done over here but um yeah it was uh it was kind of like mental fortitude right and like i said like with the navy the patience i learned just sitting there in a role that i didn't want now when i coach four-year-old kids like i'm good and the parents come up to me and they're like how do you do with these seven new kids i'm like hey, it's patience man i got paid to learn that you know <laughs> like, <laughs> got paid to learn that. i got one thing out of the navy that yeah. was some patience yeah, yeah. Was some patience man but um no all in all it was um I'm thankful, you know what I mean? And even now, like, as we as we press forward and, and do more stuff, I, I want to do more things. And it's, it's cool just seeing how this network is starting to grow. Or, like, even my story, right? Just um, a lot of people aren't familiar with it being, like, the first terrorist attack on U.S. soil since 9-11 by a foreign national. You mm-hmm. know, that's uh, there's been yeah. attacks. If uh, Like, nobody will remember this, but the weekend before our shooting, there was a shooting at Pearl Harbor. Um, so that happened, like, the week, literally the weekend right before our shooting. And... Um, there's been other attacks, but as far as um, a foreign national that just so happened to be from Saudi Arabia, you know what I mean? Same as 20 years ago. That's kind of like, you know, where where we're at. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, a, um, it's, it's crazy though. You know what I'm, I'm, when I went back through like the walkthrough there too, like they did, uh, they have a nice little memorial and everything and pay, pay their respects to the fallen and the wounded but it's like some of this stuff like i can just i'm not even an operator you know what i mean i can know when this is not a good setup you know like i'm I'm like seeing these like these exits and it's like you got these door watches here you know i don't know how the normal function of the day goes so i'm not in there no more but i can just see from the layout from the outside looking in it just still doesn't look like it's, much has yeah. changed you know what i mean it looks better new paint you got some some other stuff but as far as the layout of the schoolhouse they're still in the same schoolhouse right and then it's to say well you can't classify them as all bad i'm not saying they are all bad but if you want to mitigate the risk of there being a bad one yeah you know what i mean then you're gonna have beef to beef up the security a little bit yeah yeah so it's um, but then again, you're you're looking at like where we're at. We're in the Gulf of Mexico. You know what I mean? It's a training command. It's not like anything that's um, down this way. You know what I mean? Like down down here. Like these guys are busy down this way. I'm not saying they're not there, but it's all 
you're learning. You know what I mean? You're learning to like well, it doesn't, do a role. Um, but I think that was proven. It doesn't yeah. have to be some big place. It's literally can happen anywhere. Anywhere. I mean, it's like I'm. My biggest thing was like this guy. It could have been so much worse. You know what I mean? And it's they muster at like zero seven thirty or something like that every morning. There's like four hundred. It's called a pool, and it's like there's like four hundred, five hundred U.S. military service members. Like the officers going through flight school in the auditorium mustering. You know, and it's like, yeah, that would have been bad. But none of them were there. You know what I mean? Like the CO, like the, the actual commanding officer um, and all those guys, they weren't there, you know. And this dude waits a little bit longer. This is a whole different story, you know. And it's it's crazy because they find him with 180 rounds, you know, like uh, extended magazines, like 14-round capacities, you know. And it's just a Glock 45-millimeter handgun or 9-millimeter handgun. And, um yeah, it's like, but even like to tap back into like when you think about like the discharge and stuff too, um, the commanding officer of that command mm-hmm. in May, um, say it, you know, gave me my purple heart and all that stuff, went through all those ceremonies. And then uh, he died in a plane crash. He was still active duty. So he was due to retire in June and he was getting out. Well, in May, plane goes down in Alabama somewhere. He passes away. And so now that's like, the boss, like the CEO, you know, the the CEO of the command, like he's not there no more. And now it's like, a, it's just, a, it's just a lot going on. You think it's like, Oh, this, this, this got dealt this hand with the active shooter terrorist situation. And then you got, um, deceased service members and you got the CEO passed away. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, it makes sense why my stuff was so messed up, you know, to me, you know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? It's not an excuse, <clears throat> but it just makes sense that it's like, okay. Well, the military is definitely not a uh, well-oiled machine like I think a lot of civilians think it is. And, you know, when it comes to change of commands, um, there is definitely a lack of communication. I've seen it over my years. uh, And so if stuff isn't turned over correctly, then a lot of stuff was not going to get fixed. And that is not uncommon. Um, You know, sounds like this new CO CO came on board and... Not a lot was passed to him or, you know, it wasn't it's passed tough. to him in a way like, hey, we need to make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, and that's how stuff gets dropped. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, when you think about when they said the guy's part of Al-Qaeda and stuff like that, and you start saying, like, all right, he's, in a, he's on our base and their uniform, but he's part of those guys. You know, and it's like, we don't need this getting out. Yeah, when you think about that, right? Oh, that's true, too. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of stuff that they want to keep swept under the rug. Yeah, um, we don't need this again. Well, and I'm saying that's why you don't hear like, like you would think it just blows my mind. And uh, and some people are not as willing to talk about what happened like I am. You know what I mean? But this is part of like what's helped me. Like I, I talk um, to help motivate and inspire and uplift others and show them there's there's opportunities to get better even in the worst of conditions, right? But um, like it's so um. It's like, a, it's like a big old shadow, right? Because, like, COVID happens. It's the perfect opportunity. You sweep this thing up. You, the news, like, this year, like, it's third year anniversary or whatever, nobody hits you up, you know what I mean, asking you about, like, this. The Navy don't follow up. Hey, how you doing? Oh, you know, no. if I were to go up to that base, they would have no idea who I am, you know, like, and I don't need people to know who I am at all, you know? Like, it's fine. I'll keep like, – that's why I'm so motivated with the gym because that's how I'm creating every right, every wrong right, you know, is, like, with the gym because everything that, like – didn't happen like with like the the discharge or like the 
uh, educating the public on the fact that these things can happen. You know what I mean? And, oh, they're in Texas, too. You know what I mean? They're over here, too. Like, so you should be kind of a little bit vigilant on a few things, you know, if you're around a military installation or something like that. But it was, uh, it, it's just bizarre to see. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? How, um something that's just so like national attention right and, and they're more worried about a reporter over in saudi you know what i mean that yeah. got murdered than they are about three service members that got murdered on their own soil you know what i mean like that's like what is that's like why it was always been something that kind of fired me up but it motivates me to like kind of shed light on what had happened because and it lets kind of those guys stories be told too you know i don't i don't know like everybody's story i know, I know my story i know like what i did to kind of get through and um, harness every bad emotion I was feeling or every negativity because I've played that situation a million times. You know I'm what I mean? Sure. And you can only imagine like what you'd want to do. You know, like I, I just know the dude's like hundred pounds sick and what if I get my hands on him? Like I, I don't even, I don't need anything. Like I'll be, you know, like I just need to get my hands on him. That was it. And it's just stuff that you just go through through your head and everything. And um, but the one thing is that like nobody knows. You know what I mean? It's just like it's just no, bizarre. it's definitely not a. I mean. I definitely knew about the shooting, um, but I didn't know any details. Yeah. I didn't see a lot on it um, it, until I met you. Yeah. And then once I heard your story, I was like, holy shit, we got to have this guy on. I appreciate it. Get this story out. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll tell you what, brother, like this, that is a crazy story, what you just went through. And I can tell, I mean, that that's definitely probably one of the biggest traumatic experiences someone can endure. And I can tell you've taken a lot of time and process this just in the way that you told the story, the details, um, you're very articulate going through it. Um, you know, and that's, that says a lot about you. Um, that, that right there is resilient just to be able to process what happened and be able to tell that story to others. Um, and you know, one thing, you know, when you said, you know, I'm no Jocko, I'm no, uh, whatever Goggins, yeah. brother, they're not you. Those dudes have not been shot six times. They did not go through what you went through. Okay, don't compare yourself to others like that. You have your own story. You know what I mean? You are probably one of the most resilient people I've met so far. I mean, just going through what you went through, being able to share that story, and then seeing what you're doing now on the other side, you know, I watched you, you know, since I met you at that wrestling meet, and then I we uh, met up again, I think, a week ago at another wrestling meet. Yep. And, you know, I was watching you. I watched you with the kids, um, just how you coach, the, the patience that you have. Um, even with my own son, when he was wrestling against yep. one of your guys, you know, my son got his ass whooped. Um, but you came over, and you gave him some positive words, gave me some positive words of affirmation about it. That speaks leaps and bounds of your character and who you are. Um, and where, I mean, I, I want to spread the word, you know, about the, uh, what well-trained, um, where can people find? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, I have a brick and mortar in golf breeze, Florida, and we train everybody from, I got kids are three and a half. I mean, all the way up to like, you know, college guys and, um, welltrainedelite.com. That's like the website. You go there, it pretty much has everything. Our social media is at welltrainedelite. You can go that. And then it's, so I guess like to tie in what, what's this elite, right? Cause mm-hmm. like, 
one is that it's 99 cent on GoDaddy for that domain welltrainedelite.com. You know, it was $1,700 for welltrain.com. So that that's part of the elite, right? <laughs> but then again, it's an acronym. So every life individually trained enhances, right? So I kind of like made that my mission statement. That's kind of like what we act on where it's like um, – it's been like the like I call individuals like where I'll have like a, a kid come in I'll do a private with them and it's something that works towards what they're good at not what the masses are good at what they're good at so like every life individually trained enhances so if you give them those little things that make them better it's going to enhance you know what I mean their life and all that stuff too so I was like all right well this is that's some awesome. pretty good uh, this stuff that just came to me right so I'm like all right so that's that's going to be the mission statement and um so welltrainedelite.com that's that's um that's the website, phone numbers on there, um, email, everything good to get a hold of me. And then we're looking like, so like I'm, I got to stay busy, right? Cause if I stay busy, I keep winning. And my way of winning is that I have to stay busy because this dude's dead. And if I don't stay busy and I don't keep working hard, he got what he wanted. If I sit there and sulk and I sit there and say, what was me? And I sit there and think like, you know, poor me, the world's against me. I'm never going to have anything the way it used to be, but it's okay. Um, I just got to keep doing something. You know what I mean? I work hard to not show my wounds. I work hard to like kind of do the, get to keep the business in order. I work hard to provide for my family. And it's like, that's as long as I keep doing that, it was this thing I used to tell myself during recovery beat yesterday. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like the only easy day was yesterday, but it was like, I was like, all right, I'm going to make my own twist on this, like beat yesterday. Right. And it was like, that was what kind of got me through some of the some of the tough times too, you know, like wherever I was just mentally just spent or I'm doing this or that. It was just like, all right, you gotta got beat yesterday, you know. And it's kind of been some of uh some of the little stuff. I mean, your mind is so strong, you know what I mean. You oh, just yeah. gotta be able to like like you're talking about doing stuff that's uncomfortable, like the podcast or, or whatever jujitsu, just starting up or whatnot. It's like that was definitely. Um, I don't know, even speaking like this stuff, I used to hate getting in front of the parents and talking with the kids and kids' parents and all that, but now it's like it's all good, you know, and even this story, like, um, the more I, more I tell it, you know what I mean, the easier, the easier it is for me to tell it, um, but then again, it's almost like there's always something that I can, you know, articulate on a little bit more based on my audience too. And you guys are like the perfect audience because I got a, I got a, like a military personnel and I got a guy that's in the combatives. You know what I mean? So it's kind of the two worlds that I roam anyways. Like it, my audience is usually military or wrestlers. So this is like yeah. perfect to really get everything out of me, you know? Yeah. Still so. Team 38, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, brother. I mean, the one thing I'm, I take away from this interview, man, and, you know, you're – you're an inspiration and God has a plan for all of us, you know, and he had a plan for you. And I know how hard and frustrating that must've been, you know, when not be able to make it through buds or all that, that wasn't in your, that wasn't in God's plan. Mm -hmm. He knew that he knew exactly what was going to happen and how you would overcome and how you're using that to help others. Um, which is beyond extraordinary. Um, to me, that's one of my favorite part. It, like, so going through that, the fact that you protected that lady there, super cool. Um, the fact that you took action and, and got those guys, you, the other lady and the other guy that got shot, got them out of there um, and, and getting your – getting, like, took action in crisis, awesome. But also, like, it's really that afterwards, not being – sitting around, you were a victim, Right. Like you were a true, actual victim, and you're not playing victim, right? And you stepped up, 
And uh, the entrepreneurial side to me is super exciting for you to go, Hey, this, this next level for you, I, I, I'd look at, I look forward to talking to you after this about Definitely. some like leveling up there, but, but like that grit, the, mm-hmm. uh, being able to work hard and you, the two things you can control, you said, uh, attitude and like effort and, and, and then next level is mentoring other young men I guess women too yeah. in wrestling, um, and helping them. To to me, that's it's legacy, it's purpose. You know, it's a bigger mission. Um, super cool, man. I, I'm inspired. Yeah, brother. You, yeah. Same, same here. I'm I'm humbled. You know what I mean? To even like have you guys like even have me on. Like it's been it's been kind of cool. Um, just as far as just like what hard work attracts. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't pay off right when you want it to but it's kind of like this has been my whole life of hard work you know and it's just like the coaches that I have moving in down there at the gym or just like the network I'm building here especially like um I want to open up I want to start a foundation right the Ryan Blackwell Foundation I want to I want to be able to provide like work with veteran organizations you know and do do different things I already do that but it's like I kind of want to have an umbrella that this stuff already falls under and then like um we do our tournament every year I wanted to make that like a big thing. So I want to be able to provide athletic events and stuff like that. And then maybe inter, you know, intertwine like the veteran community and then the, um, the kids and kind of like the event we did, but just have more of a veteran presence there. And then being, um, being a purple heart recipient, I wanted to have a purple heart, uh, scholarship, Ryan Blackwell scholarship. And it'd be, it'd be for, um, a dependent of a purple heart recipient. That's a wrestler, male or female. But, um, that's, so that's kind of like my 2023 goals on top of like getting the book rolling too. Um, so I tell you what, so by the time we air this, we'll have a GoFundMe down in the description. So if someone wants to donate to that, to a scholarship for guys, they can go to GoFundMe. I'll put a link down in the description for it. I can work with Eddie, kind of get get grassroots rolling on some of this stuff, but yeah, yeah, no, that's kind of like, um, just finding ways to just keep leveling up. You know what I mean? It's like yep. that, like with the gym. Like, so I tell everybody, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more like doing a little bit more speaking things now, but cause I was working, I had my nose on the grindstone. So I had to build a following almost, you know what I mean? Like that's what Waltrain was. We yeah. had to, we had to build the the foundation, the backing to everything. And now it's like, okay, like we did a dinner the other night, had a hundred of our family members from the gym come out. You know, I told my story and all that. And it was just cool to see. So it's like, all right, we're building this thing up now. Now let's start launching this and, um, you know, use our network and see kind of where this story can go. It's not, it's to me, and it's my story, but if, like, I heard that, it's, like, that don't seem real. You know what I mean? It just don't seem like an average, unrated airman, E3, is going to be presented to Navy and Marine Corps medal for heroism and a Purple Heart. You know what I mean? While sitting at NAS well, Pensacola. that's because you're not like, an average. Yeah. That's on, uncommon. Airman. Yeah, that's, um, that's what, you know what I'm saying? You just, you just yeah. put things into perspective, right? And then, like. Uh, you, you, you see yourself in the best version possible, but we always have sometimes a little bit of a doubt with throwing the back of our head. Right. And I think this scenario I know removed all doubt of like what I'm not capable of doing. You know I mean? I think that's why I took the leap to do entrepreneurial stuff. I took the leap to like, all right, now I want to kind of start my own foundation and, you know, and just different things, just kind of just insert myself or even the public speaking. Like I'll do uh, 27 minute speeches, you know, based on like kind of what, what had happened to me and keep it all on that timeline of, you know, everything that, that transpired for me. And, um, yeah, I'm just thankful, humbled, and, you know, I'm just blessed to be able to kind of still breathe. You know yeah. what I mean? So super okay. cool, man. Yeah. I super appreciate you coming. No, yeah, I man. appreciate you. It's coming. been an honor. 
Yeah, and then anything like we can do to help. No doubt. Forward. Yeah, yeah. No, this has been a great experience, and I'm looking forward to working with you guys in the future. Anything? Heck yeah! Awesome. All right, man. Call it. it. Yep. We're out. Out. Peace.